Hey everyone, welcome back to the X Factor Files. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. You're back. I am. I had Ms. Rona visiting. You did, and before that you had work. Yeah. So you worked one weekend, because we typically record on the weekends, and we had Flink fill in, and I reached out to him a few days before. I'm like, hey, it doesn't look like Philip can record this weekend. Would you mind popping in? And he was super awesome and was like, of course, I'll pop in. And he was super sweet and reached out, and so shout out to Flink for being an amazing human. Yeah, because then you got ms rona and i had to reach out to him again i'm like uh so philip has the covid uh he was super great again and subbed in and we had a great time if you haven't listened to those episodes i encourage people to go back and jump in because as we discussed i think in the second episode i did with him it's a great jumping in point again for this series yeah um you really don't need a whole lot of background because it's basically the beginning of a new arc. And you can get a flavor of who everyone is without needing it explained to you. I love that about X-Factor. Yeah. But today, we are bringing it back a little bit. We're not doing X-Factor. This is a very special episode because there's some stuff we wanted to cover from Son of M. It's giving background to Quicksilver. Right, because you read about him, and he's, like, such a dick. Yeah. And <laughs> you get more background about where he started in that whole saga that leads up to this whole delusional version of Quicksilver that you see in X-Factor. Yeah. If people have not listened to the trial of Quicksilver that Chad over at Grey Malkin Lane did, I encourage people to do it because you get the entire history of Pietro and not just the stuff we're covering here, like his whole terrible history yeah, from the sixties on forward. Um, I wanted us to cover this because Pietro is such a prominent figure within this current Excel story arc. So he's been around before, but now he is playing more of an active role. He's not just a shady background character that's there for two pages. Right. Peter David is really bringing him to the forefront and what he's doing. So I wanted to review what Pietro has recently done in terms of repowering himself. And this miniseries, it's six issues long, and we're going to condense it for you all. Um, this came out beginning in... 2005 bleeding into 2006 the first cover day is february 2006 we're not doing a pop culture pop-up for that because we already have this came out while x factor was coming out so this is all happening and being released probably a year before the issues that we're covering currently which makes sense because this follows right after the house of m so I even went back and read some of the or the House of M series on Marvel Unlimited. Well, you were laid up with Ms. Rona. Yes. Although I was still working. And but, somehow got overtime. Yeah. But the... It was interesting, the House of M stuff. Mm-hmm. And some tie-ins I didn't... I skipped over. Yeah. Like, even though Peter David was working on the Hulk and it seemed sort of intriguing... I thought the Spider-Man tie-in was... Better? Better. Like, mm-hmm. way more... Not uh, not drama, but, like, it draws you in a whole lot more, and it mm-hmm. sets up such a 
conflict for Peter Parker having yeah. this whole new alternate life. And then what happens when that alternate life goes away? And you can really see it in his dialogue and his reactions to everyone. And Peter David notoriously hates having to tie in to Marvel events. So I'm not surprised that you weren't as intrigued by Hulk because Peter David himself was probably really not into having to craft a story to go into House of M for a Hulk title. Right. So, um, and it depends on what characters you like. I'm not naturally drawn to the Hulk, but I love Peter David. I don't know if I'd ever read Peter David's Hulk, even though people love it. I might get to that point. I think my next series that I'm going to read is his take on Captain Marvel from the early 2000s that I just flagged in our Marvel Unlimited Uh account. Because he is coming out with Genusville right now. Oh, shout out to Mr. Scott Free who really likes Genusville. So uh, it's Peter David writing that. Again, another legacy title. There's New Fantastic Four and Genusville that Peter David is currently writing for Marvel. Which is really cool. Um, and Flink and I dive in a bit to, into how Marvel is probably using legacy writers like him, Claremont, and things like that in the current age. It's basically tossing them back to, here's your wheelhouse. Go write something that is in... In this time frame. Exactly, that you previously wrote in. Like the Gambit Storm thing. Right? Because, I thought it was just fine. Yeah, um, exactly. And I haven't gotten to Gambit's introduction in Uncanny yet. Oh. I am... 30 issues away or so from when Gambit shows up in Uncanny. So I haven't read what is being referenced. I mean, I've read Gambit in the future. I haven't read his first appearance where Claremont is like, oh, this is happening right in this issue. Like this one page in issue 267, which is the issue after Gambit, shows up. Yeah, the nanny maker or nanny and orphan Orphan maker. maker. Yeah. Yeah. So nanny maker just popping out Mary Poppins. (laughs) So it's these legacy writers that are going back and writing stuff that they really have a passion for. And And it's curious that it's placed timeline wise, like back in the eighties or nineties or whatever. Yeah. Like the cell phone in the Gambit issue is just like, Ooh, that's a throwback. Yeah. And Peter David Flink reminded me I had read it and totally forgot. Last year, Peter David wrote an X-Men Legends story for X-Factor, but 90s X-Factor. Oh, okay. A story, I think it was two or three issues that were happening during that. And again, it's like this, the action in this issue happens immediately after. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah. The, I mean, to jump backwards a sec, um, in House of M is when we met Layla Miller for the first time. Yes. But a powered Layla Miller, and she barely knew what was happening. It seemed like her powers had just emerged. Mm. And her power of knowing stuff. Mm-hmm. It was, it's interesting, because when we see her in X-Factor, she's depowered, but she still has this sense for how things should go and how to manipulate stuff so that the bathtub falls on the dude menacing her. Mm-hmm. Menacing her right to her face. Or getting all four of those pizza trucks to crash at the same spot. Mm. So, it's it's very... I like the origin and sort of the evolution that we see um, in X-Factor for her. Because she seems 
to have way more agency mm-hmm. in X Factor rather than like being ushered around by all these big name heroes. Yeah, wasn't she like paired up with Cyclops or something in House of M? Um, like dragged around a little bit, but in the final battle, I think Cyclops is in the main fight, and it's it wasn't Rogue. Oh well, no, who was it? It was someone. Okay, and they, they go to the garden. It was Emma. Emma and Layla were together. That's who the pairing was. Okay. And then they find the memorial for Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. And Magneto comes out and starts to attack them. And then Layla's powers activate. And Magneto has this oh fuck moment. Mm. I don't know. That, that part was very well done. I am probably going to read that later when the omnibus comes out. Mm. They're releasing a House of M omnibus in January next year. Interesting. Yeah. And it I don't know. It like some things, issues were missing. And some. The... I mean, well, the I think the tagline for Marvel Unlimited should be some issues are missing. <laughs> of whatever you want to read, some issues are missing. Like, there's a pattern to the titles, and then it sort of repeats as the sequence goes. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't follow that pattern anymore. Hmm. So I don't know if it was that storyline just resolved itself. But then in Uncanny, it, Uncanny seemed more like Excalibur because it had Brian Braddock in it and Rachel and um, Psylocke. Hmm. But then there was another one that had what was actually happening at the school. And someone on Twitter was posting images of like, this is why Emma hates the Scarlet Witch because all these students died right after M Day because they thought mm-hmm. they could still have use their powers and they couldn't. Right. But the issue right after House of M... All the students were fine. Hmm. So, like, it's, it was like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is the moon still in the air in current Marvel? Who knows? <laughs> do, do, if, does Cyclops still live there with Wolverine and Jean? I'm not sure. Or I... is it all just debris? And uh, um, that Fantastic Four writer is gone. Oh. He has finally left the title. He wrote it from when it came back until now and they're promoting like oh something new is happening they promoted it at um san diego comic-con that there is a new direction for fantastic four and it's a compass image pointing west so are the fantastic four going west are we getting west coast fantastic four no one ever stops in the midwest no they don't (laughs) <laughs> so uh, son of M we're not going to go uh, page beat, by page yeah page by page we are doing beat by beat for uh, the miniseries and where do we open up the six issue miniseries with Pietro what's happening with him he's got a sort of a dingy apartment he is sort of worse off than Richter right after House of M um Wanda took his powers away. He's a real sad boy. He is. Um, He got used to this life where he was so much faster than everyone else. He could do all these things. And it's like, similar to Richter, a deep dive into, like, his perspective of his own powers. And what it's like for him interacting with the world. And now that's all gone, and he's basically stuck in time 
like in the slow plotting existence that normal humans have. And, and he has an unfortunate incident. Like he goes to the store and then he goes on the street and then he trips and he spills his milk and his eggs. It's very sad. I know with the price of eggs. I mean, yeah. now that'd be a tragedy. That's going to bankrupt you. And this is on the heels of probably the most powerful and influential he's ever been because the the M's the or the Magnetos, yeah. the Magneto family, they had a reality where they were all powerful they were and they the were the ru- they were the ruling class. Yeah. And it all came crashing down. So not only did he lose his mutant powers, he lost his actual power in the world. And he, and it's a blow to his ego. It was so interesting. So I haven't gone gone back far enough to when Wanda lost it and killed Hawkeye and apparently some other Avengers. Um but then when we see her on the, in the ruins of Genosha, Charles is trying to like help her cope and do some therapy things, and her powers are out of control. And when the Avengers meet, Quicksilver's like, I know they're going to kill her. I can't let that happen. He basically whisks her away, because Magneto's like, I, what do you want me to do? Like, all these yeah. bad things happen, and we can't. I can't do anything about it. So... It's basically Quicksilver talking Wanda through how to create this reality. And he like he's the one pulling the strings okay. form forming this so, reality. Okay, so he's the one who set everything up so they could be the rulers. Right. He did it basically for his dad. Like he put his dad in power rather than himself because of that vision of Magneto ruling the mutants. Okay. So he's sad boy, he trips, he loses his eggs. Yeah. And uh, is this the tipping point for him where he's like, oh, come on. Like, sort of. There's a a mutant with like tentacles in his tum-tum. Okay. And he's getting mugged and Quicksilver tries to help, but then he gets the crap beat out of him. And Spider-Man comes and Spider-Man is upset and it, when this tentacle mutant gets mugged he gets some of them sliced yes. i feel right so he's like in super bad shape okay so while spider-man is tending to him quicksilver goes up to the roof and they have this confrontation because peter's like you took you gave me this ideal world like everything i wanted sort of mm-hmm. he had gwen stacy he had a kid he had uncle ben everything was all the things yes Gwen Stacy had not fallen off a bridge. Right. And... Spoiler, for 45 years ago. Yes. Uh, he was a wrestling champion, though we never saw any wrestling. Oh. Um, and Quicksilver jumps off the roof and tries to... Commit and Spider-Man tries to save him. Yeah. And he's in super bad shape. So uh, it's Quicksilver wanting to commit suicide. Yeah. And he's not successful. And Lacha and Crystal show up as, like, over Quicksilver's broken body. And that's the end of the first issue. Yeah, Crystal's like, what have you done? Yeah, to, and, to my ex? Yeah, yes, it's messy. Um, and the only reason I got this miniseries is I went to a random sale while you were done with some family in Iowa. And they were a dollar an issue. I, throwing this out there before we even get through the entire series, I think it's worth a dollar an issue to read it. It's 
interesting. I thought it was written very well. Yes. And um, we're after we do Son of M, we have another treat for you listeners. It's a totally other issue, totally different vibe, but also a dollar. So... Um, and it's got Teresa in it. Yes, but we're not there yet. Okay. We're, we're still with Sad Boy Times. So we're up in Adelan, which yeah. is currently in the blue area of the moon. Yes. So Inhuman Time and... Um, I also feel like the Inhumans are slightly problematic. There's, yeah, yep, how with the Terrigen, and if you don't... If you don't have the right genes for it? Then you, like, go work in the mines. Yeah. Yeah. Workers of the Moon Unite. Yes. So, I really like Crystal. She... There... Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's fun in video games. She's fun in video games. Um, I think that she's a boss bitch. Uh, when she was married to Pietro, he was just not being good to her. And I, she just slept with a real estate agent. Just a random human. She was like, I, Pietro's not giving it to me at home, so I'm gonna just... <laughs> I feel like there was a reference made to that in here. There is somewhere, yeah. Where they, like, mention how she has slept with other people. Which I'm like, okay. good for her. Yep. Anyway, so uh, they bring yes, broken Pietro is on the moon, getting it healed up, and there is some discourse about like why should I do this? Like why should I heal him? And the answer is basically like I'm telling you to. That's why because there is a strict monarchy right. amongst the Inhumans, and Crystal is the princess, the sister of the queen. Yes, and the child that she has had with Quicksilver is therefore royalty. Yes. And also Medusa is serving looks mm. in these issues. Like the the headdresses and everything about yeah. her is super cool. So Quicksilver wakes up. He meets his daughter Luna. I don't know who she is. But she seems to be having experiences. I and she's feel, like, you're my dad. I got you a gift. Like, super nice. I think he uh, he's met her before, but she doesn't remember because I think she's a baby. Right. When they separated. So she's getting some... Dad time. Yeah. I don't know if I would go as far as to say quality time. Yeah, she's just... But she's get, getting some time. She's getting some deadbeat dad time. And... One of the panels is great because they're interacting and Pietro and Luna are interacting and having a good time. And you see Crystal sort of like, skulk, not skulking. She's like, skulking. oh. I need to, she's like, I need to keep an eye on this. Yeah. For the welfare of my daughter. Like, I care enough about Pietro to bring him here so he doesn't die. I don't know if I care about him enough to like. Trust him with my daughter. Yes. Like to parent. Yes. Which yes. is real. Some yeah. people are not... Yeah. That's not a thing for them. So, Luna takes Quicksilver around Adelan. They meet this dude who can connect to other people's brains. He's got, like, the eye tentacles. Yeah. And he's a librarian of sorts. He's eye boy before eye boy. <laughs> yeah. He sort of collects these experiences from other people and compiles them, catalogs them. And he's been doing it forever. Yeah, and Luna's like, this is super cool. Like, he shows me fish. And Quicksilver learns about the Terrigen Mists and the crystals. Mm -hmm. And, like, how they're kept. And 
Quicksilver's like, I need this. Like, I cannot exist without my powers. I must have them. So he goes to Black Bolt Medusa. But, like, Medusa's look. Mm. L-E-W-K. <laughs> She's like, no. Yeah, yeah no. Like, Arch, it- Arch is a good descriptor. Mm-hmm. Like, not only for her eyebrows and, like, the looks that she's giving Quicksilver, but also her outfit. Um, and so Quicksilver storms off in a huff. He goes back to the eye tentacle, go- tentacle guy. And he gets sort of this full history about where the crystals are kept and how they need certain conditions. And it's the mists that... And the crystals are sacred. Yes. They are under lock and key. The same family has been protecting them for like a thousand years. Right. So. And so there are ideas formulating. Pietro has an idea. Yeah, he's going to go. He did not get the blessing of Black Bolt and Medusa for this, but he's going to do it anyway. Yep. Clubs one of the dudes over the head. Sneaks in. And sort of breathes it all in. And he feels like nothing happened. He's super depressed. He goes to his room, and there's another Quicksilver holding another of the little gifts that Luna had given him. Because mm. when she first met him, she's like, I got this for you. My friend made it. It is absolutely unique. And now this other Quicksilver is holding a second one of those unique items. To prove that he is legit. Yes. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So uh, Quicksilver, he's going from like morally questionable to crime. Yeah, already absolute crime. So he's violated inhuman cultural and actual law. Yes. At this point, he has inhaled the mists, and there is a second Quicksilver from some time. And the second Quicksilver looks rough. And I don't know if that's just the artist trying to delineate between the mm. two and, like, needed something. Or is he a junkie? He looks like a junkie. All right. He's a crystal junkie. He's backlit, weird shadows on his face, extra wrinkles, and the juxtaposition of these two panels with, like, a more hale... Could be attractive if he wasn't doing so much crime. Mm. Quicksilver with future janky wish.com. Been, he's been doing some meth. Yeah. Some bath salts. He's been doing inhuman bath salts. And... He'll eat your face off. (laughs) But will he? (laughs) You never know. Quicksilver is Florida, man. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) If there was ever a Florida man in the Marvel Universe, it is Quicksilver. (laughs) Chad from Great Malcolm Lane, give us the... Is that an endorsed... Yes. By you statement. Yes, we will have to see if Chad agrees that Quicksilver is, in fact, Florida, Florida man. And so we get this time, this exposition where he's not moving so fast in physical space. He's moving through time. Right. He's launching himself forward. So his new power is time displacement. Right. And then when he jumps back to the time that he was in, mm-hmm. he's... In the same physical place as he was in the future. So that way he can do crime things in the future. And go back. And go back. And people would never And be ready for those crimes. Right. So. 
there's some black bolt stuff. They know that the Terrigen Vault has been violated. Yeah, there are alarms there. And Medusa, looking arch as always, where is your husband, Crystal? Yeah, like, this shit goes down and immediately they're like, where the fuck's Pietro? What's he been doing? Yeah. And And Crystal's like, he's in the crowd, it couldn't have been him. And then she goes to him and she's like, but was it you? But was it really? (laughs) And their relationship seems so messed up. I need to go back and, and get more of the trial of Quicksilver. Yes. And find out about all this. So, a plan is hatched with Quicksilver and himself. Mm. He's going to go back. He's going to steal more crystals. And he has to go to certain places at certain times to do it. Because he thinks, this worked for me. It'll work. It'll work. It's not my exact powers, but it's It's a power set. So, then he goes off to a garden to see Crystal and there's an inhuman who is very plant-based and Pietro flies into a jealous rage. Hashtag toxic masculinity. Because uh, they were having a sort of a little date sort of thing. It didn't even seem like like a quiet moment. Yeah. But this guy was trying. Like he was laying some moves on her. It didn't seem like she was that into it, but he was still trying and he like put a flower behind her ear in that creepy way that sometimes people do. Yes. And then Quicksilver loses it and gets all tied up in vines. And Crystal's like, don't you dare. So good for her. Yeah. Like another reason that Crystal seems awesome. So. Like, this is my life. We are not together. You don't get a say. Right. And even if I wasn't that into him, that's my decision to make. Exactly. So Quicksilver goes over to Luna, who's playing with Lockjaw. Yes, who wouldn't? Who is such a good boy. Yes. Even though he's treated so badly in these issues. He really is. He did not deserve that. No. He was just doing what people were telling him. Yes. So Quicksilver's like, if you want to come with me, you can. Seems super creepy to kidnap your daughter from where she's living. Yes. And she's like, you can think about it. And then he meets his future self again, and they're ready for a heist. And instead of clubbing one of the guards over the head, the janky Quicksilver straight up murders him. Yep. One of the two brothers. The junky Quicksilver needs his fix. Yeah. So he goes, they steal the miss, Lockjaw takes them away. All three of them. Yes. To a super sketchy apartment. And this is where it gets to your point. Lockjaw has two masters, Crystal and Luna. Yes. And he's he, super attached to Luna. Yes. He can't make the determination of like, if one gives me a direct order to not tell the other what happened or show the other what happened. Right. I I need to stick by the command given. Right. And Luna's like... Quicksilver wants to give Luna the miss as well, mm-hmm. because he feels that she deserves powers. Yes, because she is so young, even if she had mutant powers, they would not have manifested yet. Right, and she hasn't gone through the testing on the human side to go through the mist. And Crystal 
doesn't want her to. Right. So, Even, yeah. So uh, this is a direct contradiction of what her mother and primary caregiver slash only parent she's really known has said. Right. So she gets teleported to this sketchy place. Yep. And Because Pietro's like, oh, you've been shown fish. Like, you can actually come to Earth where there are fish. Right. She wants to see the ocean. Yes. She just wants to see the ocean. And we get this, like, glowy-eyed Quicksilver. Tem- like, being super ominous, I would never do anything to harm you. Yeah. Ooh. Like, it's bad. And we're halfway through Son of M right now. Pietro's getting worse every issue. He really is. Like, was he really an Avenger? <laughs> like, did he really do good things? Yeah. Because he seems super sketch. Yeah. Because the next issue, like, and I get that cover art is not always reflective of what's in the issue, but she looks super sketchy. Yeah, She's Luna got, looks, like, she looks like a horror movie. Like, yeah, the creepy little girl trope. Yes. So. Yeah. This is where Quicksilver is still in his sketchy apartment. The Inhumans, they know something's up. Yeah. Luna's gone. Quicksilver's gone. Yep. Crystal is going off on Lockjaw. And, like, this poor puppy. Yeah. Like, she calls him a mongrel. She threatens to neuter him. Yeah. And the... Like, I get that she's upset. The leadership knows something is up because the alarms went off again. Right. But Quicksilver was clearly someplace else. Yes. Because there were two of him in that time. Right. So they don't know that the crystals have been gone. Right. The murder hasn't technically happened yet for them. Oh, yeah. True. And Medusa still... Like, with this headdress. For someone whose power is in her hair, she has it bound up a lot mm. which is interesting but also serving looks Luke's <laughs> the fashion club would approve as they say in Daria and Crystal has this great line being loved by Pietro it has consequences yeah Ugh. yeah and that's sort of thematic of the entire miniseries yeah it really is yeah so we bounce back. Luna is feeling away. Her eyes are now golden. She sees auras. Mm-hmm. And she sees this sort of like fungal network looking thing growing within Quicksilver. Um, some sort of darkness within. And the solution is to give her sunglasses. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. It's real weird. So they go to the beach, they get newspaper, like, she's sort of having an experience with Quicksilver, and she's sort of bonding to him, Mm. but not in a healthy bonding way. Yeah, like trauma. Yeah. So, Quicksilver keeps giving, keeps dosing her. Yeah. It's real bad. And they go to Genosha. Like, they're basically huffing crystal mists. They are. So they go to Genosha because he's like, I can be the mutant savior. Yep, I can repower these people. Yeah. And there's an interaction with Callisto, who is depowered. All her super senses are gone. 
She has normal limbs. And yes. she stabs herself just to feel something. Yeah. Callisto, real desperate. And he's like, well, I can give can you give your it power back to back. you. And Luna sort of like reads the aura. She sort of calls out Callisto for these things. And they sort of manipulate her mm-hmm. into taking some of the myths. Um, and she's so tempted by it, she takes it. And Magneto sort of watches from afar. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting dynamic. Um, so Callisto takes the mist. She can get her. She feels her powers coming back, but as we saw in X Factor, they're sort of wrong. Yes, and it's explained in X Factor, and Flink and I cover that. I think it was just last issue, um, where Callisto is finally back to normal, depowered by that point. But for a while, she is messed up because of this. Sure, the sense she can't turn off the senses. She can't control. Yep. How sensitive she becomes to it. Yes. And she lapses into a coma because of a rainstorm. Yes, she feels too much. It is overwhelming to her. Yes. So to heal herself, that is what happens. Um. Back in Adelan, there's interactions with the guards and eye tentacles. And the tentacles is like, there's some sort of crisis happening. And you'll see what's happening. Um, And tentacle guy... When time catches up, tentacle guy turns himself in. Yes. He's like... I facilitated this. Right. Because I revealed too much, this crime happened. You need to arrest me for treason. Goran is dead. So... Goran, one of the guards. Yes. Of this family that has been guarding it... For thousands of years. And there's never been a mess up. Right. Um, so Magneto finds Callisto crumpled up, and he knows that it's Quicksilver. Yes. He's like, my son is doing some shit. Yes. And there's such drama. Well, I think that the whole Magneto family is drama at this point. Yeah, Magneto goes to him and calls him out, sort of, like... You threw, created this reality in my name, mm-hmm. sort of threw it in my face, and then because Wanda said no more mutants, Magneto sort of broke a little, mm-hmm. like more than before. If like even more than he was before, when he's like, "What do you want me to do?" Mm-hmm. She killed these Avengers and has needs help that she cannot get. Yes, and then she wiped out most of mutant society. Right. So, there's a few more gen- mutants hanging out in Genosha, like, in the ruins, mm-hmm. trying to cling to it. They've all been depowered, and Quicksilver goes to them and tempts them. Yeah. And they all take it in, and none of them can quite control their powers, just like Callisto couldn't. Someone who could channel dead spirits is having issues. Someone that turns into a swamp monster thing can't turn back again. Some dude who sort of gets, like, huffed up. Gets super huffed up. Like, puffed up, do you mean? A little bit, or, like, super jacked. Okay, you're saying huffed, which is what they're doing to crystals. Well, yes. But also, like... Pumped up. Pumped up. Okay. 
and like and this is where uh, Pietro's god complex is really kicking in this, it is this is where it's manifesting itself like i, I have this power all. yes and magneto comes in and like my son has poisoned you look at Callisto. she's in a coma yeah my son is not doing great things maybe don't and back in adelon plant guy's back um the quicksilvers beat him up because toxic masculinity, yes. jealous rage, whatever. Identical person communicates with Black Bolt and puts himself at the judgment of Black Bolt. Whatever Black Bolt says, he will do because he's a good servant, mm-hmm. even though he facilitated these crimes. And the Inhumans activate. They go back after their crystals. They know that it's... Quicksilver who took them. And it takes forever for these crystals to form. Like, he's taken so much that it has devastated their supply. Right. They wouldn't be able to submit anyone for the mists for, I think, a century or yeah. so. And so, I Guy gets basically condemned to isolation. He can't connect to anyone else's minds. He can't see or share any other images. He's locked off right which it seems like if it's not death like that's the next worst thing yeah so they activate they head out um quicksilver has this interaction with his dad about like you failed you keep failing i'm going to take up the mantle Mm -hmm. there's a whap of Magneto slapping Pietro. Fair. He deserves a slap at this point. So the, he beats up Magneto in exchange. Luna is the only one who's able to stop him. And she's so, I don't know, she's just very creepy. Yeah, like... She tries to take away his sadness? Yeah, she was so sweet, and she still is, but... She's a child going through trauma at this point. She's been kidnapped. She's trying She's to been help. drugged. Yeah. And finds a way to try and help. Mm-hmm. And Magneto's like, don't take this away. Like, it's too invasive. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot use your powers for this. So <laughs> Magneto calls him out. What kind of monster have you become? <laughs> There's some bad parents telling other bad parents how to not yeah, parent. Yeah, yeah. Bad advice all around. And you get a crying Luna saying, please don't fight. Like, that's a whole other powerful yep. image. Where everything is just the worst. Then we move on to some creepy FBI people who know that the crystals are mm-hmm. missing. They've been monitoring communications between Adelan and the Fantastic Four. And so they go and they're like... We're going to take these mm-hmm. to create a whole new operation to get them back. Also, there's an ad for X-Factor. Oh, fun. Which is fun. And so they go, the Inhumans start battling these repowered mutants to get the crystals back. And that's sort of the climax of the penultimate issue. Yeah. So we head into the final issue, FBI is after crystals. The Inhumans are after the crystals. Pietro wants to keep the crystals. 
and gas out the depowered mutants. Yeah, and Magneto was like, no, this is all bad. Yeah, but he's been beat up and shoved off to the side. Yeah. So the FBI show up, shoot Quicksilver. Mm, Well, is anyone sad at this point? No. Okay. And Luna sort of goes off, like, girl not in control of her powers. Yep. Starts sort of attacking these FBI people. And then all of a sudden, the power mutants come in. Oh, sorry. There's Lockjaw to protect Luna. Mm-hmm. It was an it was an art that of Lockjaw that looked like the Swamp Monster dude. Oh, so um, the Inhumans come. Medusa's trying to act like the voice of reason. This battle, she's saying the battle is futile. Just give us what we want. And the mutants are like, you should just leave instead. And that's when things really start going wrong for those mutants. Yeah. Unus is one of them. Oh, Unus the the Untouchable. And he can't control his force field. So it shuts everything, like air, light. He dead. Yeah. It's unfortunate. He basically insulates himself from everything. Right. He cocoons himself. Which, like... If... I had certain powers, and I was in the movie for Endgame when that telepathic dude was beating up on Doctor Strange and Iron Man, mm-hmm. like creating a bubble and suffocating him till he knocks himself out. It is how I would have dealt with him. Yeah. But poor Unis, I wouldn't have gone that far. Yeah. Um, Magneto interacts with the Inhumans to say, like, they're gone. I don't know where they went. Um, eat Crystal. And Magneto seem to have an okay relationship, mm-hmm. surprisingly. I think because they both know that interacting with Pietro has consequences. Yeah. And that has sort of bonded them together. And so um, the FBI people with the crystals say, we're not giving them back to you, to the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Like, flat out, they're on Earth. We confiscated them. They're ours now. They're not yours. Yeah. And so the Inhumans are like... Okay, that's a declaration of war. Until you return them to us, there no diplomatic entreaties will be mm-hmm. taken up. You are shut off. So it's bad. So Black Bolt thinks and he basically destroys the helicopter with all these FBI people. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the inhuman response. Yeah, to this... It, they declared war, and he acted on it right away. Yeah. Manito emerges from the dirt. Real sad. Not mm-hmm. even any dialogue, just, like, some stark images. So Lacha, who had come in to save Quicksilver and Luna, they go back to the beach house, and Luna punches Lakcha. Rude. She's so hopped up on all this stuff and all the trauma and all the kidnapping Mm -hmm. that she punches the one who, like, loves her unconditionally without any expectations of her. And it's super sad. And so... Quicksilver tries to get a few more, tries to go back, but he says, take Luna back to Crystal. 
Luna's like, Father, don't. Mm-hmm. Like, these are heart-wrenching type Well, that's because she basically got her hooked on drugs. Yeah, and kidnapped her. Yeah. Took her away from her family. And Crystal, like, has to sort of pick up the pieces with Luna. Mm-hmm. And saying, like... Luna's crying. He sent me away. And she says, no, baby, he sent you back. Like, yeah. she has to sort of sugarcoat that Luna's back where she belongs. Mm-hmm. That she'll be taken care of there. And, yeah. That's sort of it. All right. In terms of the Inhumans, like, yes. those interactions, they're still left with the Declaration of War sort of on Earth. And what we get left is... Quicksilver with the last crystals that he hid away in a room. He just is in rough shape. I think this is where it means where the crystals are in him. Mm-hmm. It's that network. It, this is the process that embeds them within him. Yeah. And then we get him walking down the street, finding someone who used to be a mutant. And he repowers them. And that's how the issue ends. And that's how the series ends. Yeah. So, what do you feel about Pietro now? He's the worst. He was the worst. He continues to be the worst. Yeah. Like. It, does it help you? It puts him into context for X Factor. Okay. On why, especially Madrox is like, he's pure evil, Richter. You should know that he is pure evil. Yeah. And which is like, I know, I'm just listening to him. But I haven't actually done anything with Pietro yet. Right. Thank goodness. Yeah, it's it really gives that that context, like you say, to Quicksilver and what he has become at this point in Marvel lore. That he he's done some he did some real bad shit. Really bad. Highly tra- like traumatized his daughter. Yeah. Put her on the mists when she wasn't ready. Yep. And may not have been, ever. Like, fucked up some mutants in the process, trying to repower them, and it just goes sideways. Kills Unis. And yet he still retains the, I am the savior. I can repower mutants. Even after all of that. It sort of... It highlights the conversation he had with Richter, where he says that... It's not my fault that these people's powers are out of control and not manifesting how they're supposed to. It's that they are not worthy. The issue lies with them. I'm fine. I'm the messiah of the mutant race right now because I'm the only one that can give them their powers back. Mm -hmm. If they don't, if they're not worthy, that's on them, which is such a messed up way to look at the world. Yeah. Are you glad that you read this in the midst of X Factor? Yeah, I am. For the context, and like, the art is good, the writing is good, like, everything about the issue is great. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's one of those super dark issues that leaves you sort of sad at the end. Yeah. Sad for what happened. Like, not necessarily to Quicksilver, because he was just the worst. Mm-hmm. But, like, to the people around him. Yeah. So. Well, why don't we go on to something happier? Siren! Yes. So, this is Marvel Comics Presents, issue 43. And 
I have talked about this in the past couple weeks um, with Flink. Marvel Comics Presents is an anthology series where there are four different stories per issue. So uh, the issues are all 32 pages, and uh, there are ongoing stories that happen over multiple issues, and then there are one-off stories that are only eight pages long. And uh, the story we are reading in issue 43 is a one-off, so it's eight pages, and they're just little snapshots. They're mostly fun little sojourns with a character that you don't see solo very often. So... This one is with Siren, but first we need to do the pop culture pop-up when it comes to February 1990, when this came out. I was three, about to be four. Yes. <coughs> um, same with me. So, climbing the charts... This month is Rome by the B-52s. Oh, that's fun. It's such a fun song. Back when the bar that used to be a gay bar had fun music videos, that came on and it looked like an interesting music video. Yeah, there used to be a gay bar in St. Paul, Minnesota. Now it's sports themed. Now it's like summer camp rather than like gay camp. Yeah. Camp. Yeah. So we don't need that. We haven't been back there often since the pandemic began. Uh, the 1990 Grammys were this month. The uh, record of the year was Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh, that has shown up on your top 40 countdowns. No. At one point it did. We, you had the 90s channel on. And oh, it was, uh, yes. It the was ni- there. 90s on 9 with downtown Julie Brown. Every weekend she's counting down the top 40 hits of a specific year. And this was one of them. Oh. The best pop performance by a duo or group with vocal. Do you know what it could be? Duo or group. And it's pop music in 1990. Oh. I barely know pop music now. I don't know if I would know it when I was three. It's Aaron Neville and Linda Ronstad for Don't Know Much. Oh, we saw that in the documentary about her. Yes. The sound of my voice. It was a very good one. Yeah. So... Um, Linda Ronstead still showing up whenever I can weave Linda Ronstead into this podcast. (laughs) I will. Queen of rock and roll. Yes. Um, and a movie that came out. So this was just a documentary rather than a theatrical feature, but it was a big part of my childhood. Titanic. Just kidding. No. I know. (laughs) Um, it's the documentary, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, narrated by Angela Lansbury, where it does a deep dive into the making of the movie, The Wizard of Oz. I had this taped off of TV. I watched it all the time when I was little, like that VHS. Oh, that's Because fun. I think it was on PBS, maybe? Or they may have run it as a special. ABC used to run Disney movies as a special, because we had Bedknobs and Broomsticks taped, yeah. and we on the same tape was Mary Poppins. Yes. But it was ABC, so it had actual commercials. Yes, that and is... And was like the Glade plugins. Believe me, believe her. Or like a cute one with M&M's and like going to boot camp and then they finally get to take their showers and get their hard candy shells. Oh, that's fun. That's the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. And it used to be on every Sunday night. Narrated by some dude. Yeah, they had a host. Yeah. And I'm sure it changed throughout the years. But The executive dude or whatever. Oh, that, it wasn't Bob Iger. It was, oh. Some dude. 
Michael Eisner. Yes. Yes. Oh wow! I can't remember. I believe I remember that. I think it was Eisner. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Because Walt used to do it way back in the day, oh. in the fifties. So, it that was the movie that stuck out to me that came out this month, and this was on the heels of the Wizard of Oz's. 50th anniversary in 1989. So oh, it was a big, big deal. thing. Yes. And and who better to narrate than Angela Lansbury? She was around back then in Hollywood. And she's still a thing, obviously a big thing in the 80s and early 90s. Murder, she wrote, was huge. So Bedknobs and Broomsticks, picture of my childhood. And I didn't realize that she was in the Danny Kaye movie. Like, she was a looker. Yes. And in that movie, she was a princess. And that's the movie with the... Uh, the vessel with the pestle is the brew that is true. The chalice with the palace has the palate of the poison or something like that. Okay, we're going to move past that. I know, but it's so fun. Um, we're moving into this eight-page story about Siren, who is at Cassidy Keep in Ireland. And there's a knock at the door, and these creepos are like, Hello, little girl, is your father home? She's not a little girl. She is a grown-ass woman already. <laughs> yes. And they uh, are after Sean Cassidy, and they are all caricatures of Irish people or legends. Like, this seems... Racist. As, ba- as bad as <laughs> Space Irish in Star Trek, which is, like, the worst Star Trek Next Generation episode. I picked this because I think it is so bizarre. It's so bad. <laughs> so bizarre slash bad. This little story... It is actually written by Scott Lobdell, who wrote X-Men later on. He wrote Generation X. So he is a well-known X writer relatively early in his X career. He hasn't hit those main titles yet. Okay. But this is him sort of working in that universe. And um, our penciler is Larry Stroman. The art is very of its time, which isn't bad, but you can tell it's like the... It's iconic. It is. And... Dear listener, the Bun Buns are visiting. Yes. So if you hear any munching, it's them going after some cardboard. Maybe they'll delete the whole episode again. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? And so, so these I, people come in. Yeah, they're just like barging in, and we have some iconic... Siren ease as these people are trying to attack her and get to Banshee for some reason. There he has intel that they need, and this team is trying to be Ireland's version of the Avengers. Yes. Like, they, they feel like they're ready, they're going to go track down this agent and bring him in and debrief him. And so they go to the castle. She's like, come in, make yourself at home. And one of them is like... Maybe I should follow her to the kitchen to keep an eye on her, maybe? And she is, she disappears. We find out to do a costume change. Yeah, she she specifically lets these strangers into her castle, and she's like, you chill here. I have to go get more uncomfortable in my spandex. Right, like, she had a pretty, like... Sensible... Sensible dress, yeah. like, some nice flats. Yeah, she was just hanging out at home. yeah. She was, and then she ends up in, like, a more, I don't... It is her siren outfit that we're used to from the 90s, except it has a very high, like, vampire collar. And it's 
very sensualized in a way that's like the patriarchy. Yes. Like for women's outfits. Yeah, it because has to be she's very tight. It has to be very books. And she's in heels. And she gets heels. She changes into heels to do superheroing. And Instead why? Instead of her sensible flats. Come on. Um, they're like kitten. Is that kit, what Drake Queen say? Kitten heels? They're not overly high, yeah, but they're high enough. Yes. And there's a leprechaun? There's a leprechaun. With pixie dust? And it's not the fun leprechauns that live in Cassidy Keep. Oh. I didn't know that they lived in Cassidy Keep. There's a very special issue of X-Men, um, <laughs> of Uncanny X-Men from the late 70s, early 80s, that our friends over at X-Reads have reviewed before. I'll send you the episode. It's I'm looking forward to those and ad you, alerts. And you need to read the issue, too. It's... it's fucking weird <laughs> um but yes there are leprechauns that live in cassidy keep this is not one of them this is a, another leprechaun who's armed with pixie dust but she creates an ultrasonic force field to protect herself you fun fun power and she it throws him down with a bonk yeah he he leaps at her yeah and bounces off the force field and then he hurts his nose he does and like the way it's written is written with an Irish accent, and then it's written with an Irish accent, but with a broken nose, so yeah. the consonants get messed it's up. It's so hard to read. <laughs> it's like reading a gothic author. You have to like let your brain adjust after ten minutes, and then you can read at a normal pace. And there is a, a bog creature. That... There is. I feel so bad for the bog creature. She ease him through the wall. It's like yeeting someone, but it's eating someone. And it's not Mystique eating Baby Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> and um, apparently his name, is that Highlander? Is that who they're referencing? I think so, but okay. not the Highlander from the 90s TV show. No, it's just a Highlander that's A bog creature. Um, and he says, ouch, much ouch, and I feel so bad for him. He's he, trying to be a hero. I know. Or they. And he's like a steaming pile of a bog creature once he lands. Yeah, they sort of reference how he's basically compost, and that's just not very nice. No. We love compost. Um, There's a Neary-eyed, Oh, that's fun. fun. Yeah, and... The last of the water nymphs. And I thought that was... I think she might be my favorite. Right. Like, she... Was doing pretty well against Siren. Yes. Except Siren created a sound bubble. And, well, her, did you notice her name? It's Dyke. I did. And I, that's, that's, just, that's so bad. And that's so bad. Even back then, that is still slang for a lesbian. Right. Like a derogatory term for a lesbian. And I'm like, really? We, we're going with this? Lobdell is questionable anyway. Oh. At oh. times. So, like... Um, and it's not like... You associate the non-problematic word dyke with the Netherlands and windmills and like draining I'm keeping, fields, keeping yeah, the ocean out. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't know why they chose this. They for, needed a water-related word and they're, they but just... It's, it's not the right kind of association. N- no. Dykes Any, hold water out and this is a water creature of the water that commands the water. Yes. So it'd be cool if she came back that with a different fun. name. Yes. Um... So there's the the bubble with shut. There's a you can see shut up are the words in the bubble, and then when the bubble pops, shut up is like lays out dyke like 
she is last. <laughs> you say that, and I have a visceral reaction to, to that name. The near-eyed. The near-eyed. The near-eyed. The near-eyed near is flattened because of this, because the words were encapsulated in bubbles and burst at her. <laughs> it's so cool. Like Blub, blub. There are so many different facets of uh, Terry's pow- powers. Yeah, he, that, it's a fun showcase. And this is relatively early in Terry's publication history, too. So uh, this may be uh, trying to work out some of those things before we see them fully. Yeah. there's a, There was another one before the Neary-Eyed who tries to grab her by the throat. And she does the Cassidy double kick. Which and is... knocks too- him the fuck out. Yes. Just a high kick right to his chin. So... And there, what's the onomatopoeia? Is it pow or was there something else? There's a pock. P-O-K. Pock. Um, there's a backwards E. Um, oh, because it's from the perspective of her. Yes. So uh, that's how she is uh, getting rid of Boulder. They threw a big rock at her. Yes. But she made like a little trough in the floor to protect herself. Yes. So she wasn't crushed and the boulder was going to like return back to the person who threw it, but it was going to shrink mm-hmm. as it came back. But because of this E. It doesn't, and the big, <laughs> the poor person recalling their boulder doesn't move out of the way fast nope, enough. Nope, and is buried under that boulder. There's a lot of brooms. Yeah, their onomatopoeia's <laughs> aplenty. We love it. We stay on a good onomatopoeia issue. Yeah. Um, so they fail, basically. Yeah. And the, the handlers, the people, there's two people sort of with text voiceover boxes Mm -hmm. one is a mutant who can see all this happening and sort of show it to the pencil pusher and then there's the pencil pusher Mm -hmm. and they go out with their multi-million dollar helicopter like a distance out but terry's sonar Mm -hmm. that she has detects it and blows it up (laughs) and like this poor team picks up the pieces of themselves and has to walk home. Yeah. Because Terry blew up their helicopter. And she's like, if you need me, call. Yeah. Don't just show up in call the middle first. of the night. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a fun little detour. Yes. To get to know one of our characters a bit better. And her, It's a fun power set. Like how they yeah. showcase it. Yeah. It, and uh, that's the beauty of uh, the Marvel Comics Presents. Even the ongoing one. So I... Read the eight-part Excalibur series that they had, and um, oh. the there was a Wonder Man one. There was a three-part Hercules one. Ooh! So you stand Hercules. I do, and it's just a different way that you get to see characters outside of the pressure of a main title and a main story arc. Exactly. You don't have to. The writer doesn't have to fit it into. The narrative, it's, let's let's have a little fun here. Let's play in a different sandbox with the same characters. Yeah. So, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this story is not on Marvel Unlimited. Oh. You have to read the physical issue. Oh. Because for a lot of the present stuff, um, the even issues they have there, it's only a quarter of the issue. 
It is oh. one storyline out of the four, which is so dumb. Like, if you're going to the expense of scanning in and, you know, cleaning up the images and making it look good, just do the whole issue at that point. Right. So uh, I found there was um, a very long connected Black Panther story. There were like 22 parts of a Black Panther story. And I was finding that they did the Black Panther stuff and nothing else in those issues. Um, So you have to go in and out of each like eight page segment for the whole 22 arc of these itty bitties. Yes. And that's all that's in Marvel Unlimited is the Black Panther story arc. Uh, which is interesting because looking at the covers, the first volume of Marvel Comics Presents, it's like 150 issues or something like that. And for the vast majority of the time, the cover stars are X-Men well, that's or funny. X-Characters. So it was a way for basically solo X-Stories, much in the manner of Solo Avengers, and where the lead-off for Solo Avengers slash Avengers Spotlight. It's the same thing. They rebranded Avengers Mm -hmm. around 1990, so everything started with A, so all of the Avengers titles would be featured together on the rack, alphabetically. So West Coast Avengers became Avengers West Coast. Got it. And Spotlight Avengers became Avengers Solo. No, Solo Avengers became Avengers Spotlight. That's what it was. Got it. So uh, that particular Avengers issue it was half the book was always a Hawkeye story half of the book was a different member of the Avengers or so hot guy as you say yes hot guy um and this one has Wolverine on the cover yes and in the little ribbon where it used on an X title to have like the faces of the X characters, the corner box corner box yes is Iron Man yes because Iron Man has a story number so, three Wonder Man is number two and Enchantress is controlling him, it seems. That's very perceptive, yes. Um, so uh, the Wolverine story is part six of ten in this issue. Wonder Man is part six of eight. And then Iron Man is a one-off, and Siren is a one-off story as well. I mean, I kind of see why they'd want to organize it with a continuous mm-hmm. story, so you wouldn't have to like tap through pages to get to the ongoing bits. But you should it, also alternate. You should also offer the full issue. You should to collect to catch all those one offs. And it's misleading when you go into Marvel Unlimited because it'll show the cover. Like it would show the cover, showing Colossus right there, and you click it open, and it's only the Black Panther eight pages, and then you have to click out, go to the following. Yeah, that's a lot of in and out for such very short issues. Yes, so. That's it. We're probably going to be back to X-Factor next week Yep. with issue 19. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed our little uh, sidetrack to learn more about Pietro and... Putting up with the little visit from the Bun Buns and the little cardboard sounds. Yes. The Bun Bun update, which is probably what people listen to this for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all three are happy and healthy and shedding. Yes, it is shedding season because it is summer here in Minnesota, so... It is like deep summer, so they are getting rid of a lot of excess fur, so they as, you know, living creatures can be more comfortable, even though they're in air conditioning. Like, it is not something where they are reacting to the weather around them. It's their internal bio clocks that are dictating what's happening. Yes. And Nick has little tufts that are on his face, but you can't pull them out because he has whiskers. Yes, so you're just like, oh, buddy, you'll scratch those out. Like, when you itch, 
they'll eventually come out. Hello. Oh, I have an itch. (laughs) All right. Everyone, find us on Instagram. Um, We're posting random stuff all the time, not only from issues, but maybe if I find something cool at a shop. (laughs) The Toy Uh, Fair stuff is fun. Yeah. So uh, we have Magazine Mondays, and we post the song for the week every Tuesday, and then you get some content throughout the week. So we are at X Factor Files Podcast on Instagram. And, oh, also shout out to Chandler from the X Reads Podcast. Um, I had lunch with him on Friday this week, so he is back in Minnesota, where he is from. So it was very exciting to finally meet Chandler in person and um, have lunch and chat all things comics and podcasting and all that good stuff. So... Um, I'm sure that we will subject him and um, uh, anyone else we can to the uh, Marvel X-Men United board game. Yes. You can check out my reel showing everything that came with this Kickstarter bundle that I paid way too much for. But It's it's, like uh, everything in the kitchen sink. It really is. So check out that reel. Um, Yeah, leave your thoughts and feelings. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Yeah, think... About, uh, you know, Pietro and how big of a douchebag he is. And let (laughs) us know in the comments. Sound off, people. Sound off. Yes. And we will catch you next time. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.